I think the correct answer always needs to be repeated so that people fully understand. We don't have a water supply issue. So Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the local Franklin Mass FM dial at 102.9. There was a town council meeting last night, so we have town council quarterbacking session this morning with our town council chair, Tom Mercer. Tom, happy Thursday morning. And happy Thursday to you, Steve. It's a good day. The weather is clear and dry after all the rain we've had, so... I'm yeah, we haven't to. had to say that very much this summer. But, uh, no. Uh, and it's nice to be able to say that we did get some rain. We did get some good rain. And now it's nice to have it behind us as the weekend approaches. And we're hoping for a beautiful weather for our uh, Harvest Festival on Friday, on Saturday, which we will, I'm sure, talk to it a little further on. Yeah, it's actually the cultural festival. Harvest festival okay. is in October. I'm sorry, yeah. cultural. We, we've got so many of these, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for the listeners, if you're new here, what we're trying to do is recap the town council meeting. One of the shorter ones had two hours, but we're still going to condense it to give you, okay, what just happened? What does it mean for Franklin residents and taxpayers? So let's start with the presentations and discussions. And I think that's where most of the interest was last night with three of them. And first up, the new leadership team at Dean College came. Yeah, and uh, it was great. I had uh, uh, the new president, uh, Ken Elmore, and uh, the new chancellor, Ed Augustus, had reached out to me uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, I went out, went up and met with them for an hour or two, and just kind of introducing ourselves to each other. And at that uh, meeting, they said, geez, we'd love to come to the council and get an opportunity to introduce ourselves uh, to the entire council as well to the community. So I said, sure, let's pick a date. So last night was the date and uh, it was nice to have uh, uh, Ken and Ed come in kind of give us a little bit, a little background uh, of themselves. Uh, you know, Ken comes from uh, uh, Boston University and uh, Ed comes from uh, a political, uh, with a political background, mostly, you know, he's been involved in Worcester. He was Jim McGovern's chief of staff for many years. Uh, so uh, anyway, they were able to give us some background and actually uh, talked a lot about wanting to become more tied into the community, uh, opening up some doors that may not have been opened in the past uh, to share some of our resources uh, on both sides. Um, you know, one of the pieces that uh, they've spoken about is the library, uh, you know, maybe being able to share uh, resources at uh, their library to the residents, as well as our library to their students. And uh, which I think is a, you know, obviously a, 
uh, a great thing to do. Uh, some of the opportunities uh, that our students have, uh, they want to uh, broaden that, uh, broaden those opportunities uh, so that a lot of our, you know, uh, secondary school students uh, might have an opportunity to take some college credit courses uh, at Dean and uh, uh, they're going to work with the school department and a superintendent uh, as to uh, how to go about some of that stuff. Uh, we, the town, I know, has uh, uh, formed a, a partnership with our uh, local first responders uh, in doing a lot with paramedics and uh, EMT uh, issues. So, uh it's, uh, I, and I think probably the best way to explain the feeling that I've gotten from them is uh, that it's going to be a, uh, a much more welcoming place for our residents to uh, take part in a lot of the things or many things that are offered at the college uh, for the community. So I'm looking forward to see how that, uh, how that starts out and how it goes. I think it's a, a, a great opportunity with uh, new leadership to uh, bring our two communities together, be it the college community as well as our uh, local community. Yeah, I participated in the downtown partnership meeting this morning and Ed Augustus uh, presented there and he elaborated in a little bit more detail, um, a couple of key highlights to that end. He spoke positively for including in as part of the secret source of what he had done prior in Worcester. Um, arts and culture, which I know is clearly near and dear to us here in Franklin as well, because, oh, by the way, we do have a cultural district. The cultural council is active and Dean is part of that. And to the extent that they're going to do more in that space, by all means. Yeah. The other piece he was touting and Worcester certainly is a larger scale. They've got 35,000 students in their nine colleges here. There's just what, 1100 a Dean. But the leverage of what they attempt to do in Worcester, he's still going to try to do here in Franklin as well, obviously yeah. on a smaller scale, but it still will have an impact for us. And again, I like the positivity. I like the openness. The proof's going to be in the pudding, but he certainly has started off on a good foot and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what's going on. Exactly how I feel, Steve. Uh, as I said, I know uh, just in the, you know, in the not so recent past, but in, in the last 20 years or so, it's been uh, there. I know a lot of residents have hesitated uh, using uh, some of Dean's facilities that, that were offered, whether it be uh, just brunches on Sunday or uh, mm -hmm. uh, whatever, the arts community up there. Uh, because they haven't gotten that warm, uh, welcoming feeling um, for whatever the reason. And I think that is uh, the main obstacle that uh, 
uh, Ken and Ed are going to have uh, with the community, but I think they're off to a great start. Uh, they're coming to everything. Uh, they want to meet with everyone. Uh, they've uh, already met with our administrative team at Town Hall. Uh, I know they've had an initial meeting with the school administration, and they've got many more coming there. Uh, reaching out to Downtown Partnership, as you said, they had a meeting there this morning. Uh, so their doors are wide open, and uh, they're really looking to uh, bring a lot of uh, what they do to our community and looking to see what they can do to help us uh, broaden our base with our uh, cultural district and all of the many things and opportunities there are in the town for the college student. And then next up in terms of presentations to discussions, we had an update from Brutus and Doug Martin on the drought. So even though we had the deluge, if you will, for two to three days with a lot of rain, we are still in a drought situation. And they provided some interesting updates in regards to our overall water condition, water supply, details, et cetera. So it was, yeah. it was timely. It, it, it was very timely, and uh, as I, I think I said to Brutus last night when he was walking up to the podium, I said, you know, timing is everything. Uh, it comes in with, with drought information right after two days of rain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So uh, his timing was uh, perfect. But anyway, uh there was an awful lot of uh, information that uh, they brought to the table last night, a lot of which uh, there were a few things that uh, I wasn't aware of uh, and was very informative, certainly to me, and that is uh, how our wells have produced, having the sec second treatment plant and how mm -hmm. important that was. Right. or is to uh, our water capabilities as far as being able to get the water out. Uh, we do not have a shortage of water. Uh, we pump on an average, uh, well, and that probably was one of the things that was very awakening to me mm, yeah. 20, 25 uh, 20, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, we were pumping uh, 3.6, uh, 3.8 million gallons of water daily. And we were also pumping, uh, we were losing 24%. And, I, and to me, that's a mind-boggling number. That's yeah, uh, that you pump out of the from the time we pumped it out of the ground to an individual's faucet, we were losing 24 percent. Now, obviously, that water goes right back into the aquifer. So but in terms of our infrastructure, uh, losing 24 percent was a huge number. We had a few leaks. Yeah, we did, for sure. And uh, to learn today 
20 years later, uh, because of the conservation, because of our constituents uh, being aware of water use, uh, not the least of which is, you know, the new technology with, uh, you know, uh, less water toilets, though the saving water there. Uh, but we're pumping about 2.2 or 2.4 million gallons of water uh, using a day. And our waste is, uh, our waste is 6%. So we've gone from 24% to 6%, right. which is a, a much more, uh, obviously a much more reasonable number. And it's a number I'm sure you'd like to be at zero, but nobody's at zero yeah. uh, for whatever the reason. But And I don't want people to understand, uh, think that we're losing that water. We're not losing that water. It goes back into the aquifer. But our infrastructure has improved so much over the last uh, 20 years that we've been able to uh, just become better at it. Yeah. For the listeners, uh, and one of the, the term, I was a little surprised that it wasn't mentioned last night. And I almost mentioned it myself when I had the opportunity to put in the plug for the podcast we had done with them to go from the well to the faucet life cycle of the water. But the I&I program that you on the town and prior town councils have funded is the key piece to that uh, reduction in quote, lost water. And yeah, it's lost from an accounting perspective. It's not lost because it stays in the ground. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's a, a tremendous achievement. Um, the water doesn't go uh, or less of it goes. And I think the state standard is, you know, to benchmark is like a 10%. And we're one of the few that are so far under, we're at 6%. Exactly. Um, so that is- And a that's just a tribute. As you said, that's a tribute to- the councils over the last 20 years, the town councils, uh, all of the different people that have served, as well as our DPW and our administrative team for uh, doing a great job in uh, improving our infrastructure, improving, uh, you know, those two water treatment plants, best things we've ever done, for sure. Yeah. And the key piece to reiterate, because I know one of the questions, and I think it was addressed, but maybe not fully, and it always, I think the correct answer always needs to be repeated so that people fully understand. We don't have a water supply issue, and that was made clear because we're also better using the water we do have. Um, but the permit does force us to conserve, which is why we only have the once a week normally, Drought is different, thereby we get additional restrictions. But the, the key piece amongst that is we've gone from, and I think the number 20 years ago was 70 gallons per person, down to about 45 40, gallons yeah. per person, which those that's where the efficiency and the mindfulness of water waste. Yeah. Um, we're much more careful with the water. And fortunately, the town is continuing to behave. So yes, we continue to have water. So it was also interesting that, you know, single family homes actually use more water than apartment complexes. So right. while people may say, hey, we're building all these big, 
the water usage is already built into the permit the town has from the state. So we have enough. It's just we need to be mindful of what we have and to the town's credit via the funding and then the personal usage. We've, we're, we're putting ourselves in a good position. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't thank the community and uh, thank our residents for uh, being cognizant of the fact that, uh, you know, water is one of, (laughs) of, if not the most valuable resource that uh, we have. And we are in a really good uh, situation. We have a uh, we have great wells. We have the two water treatment plants, and uh, uh, we have spent uh, good money uh, on our infrastructure uh, to improve our in- infrastructure, and we will continue to do those same things. Uh, you know, wa- water and sewer are always talked about, kind of in the in the same breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and we have the Beaver Street Interceptor that we will, it will be the single, it will be Franklin's big dig, uh, basically. Uh, so uh, these are the kinds of things that we need to continue to do to take care of our resources. So. Right. And it's not a one and done thing. It's a continual maintenance, continual update. And uh, this will be back again for other topic updates <laughs> yes, as we go. <laughs> yep. And then we segue into the third piece of the presentation where there was the discussion around the effort that's already underway at the state level with a commission to look at revising, which apparently they've reached consensus on actually revising the state seal and motto although there's still some hurdles and some time before that actually happens. Right. There's uh, obviously uh, uh, there's a group of uh, residents that uh, have felt strongly about uh, the need to change uh, the uh, state seal. And uh, one of those, uh, you know, and have brought, brought forth to the, council uh, a proposed resolution that they would like to uh, like us to sign on to. Uh, There are about 50 communities in the state that have signed on. Um, But uh, part of this is, you know, the state has, this is really a state decision. Uh, It's not going to be a decision that uh, the local communities are going to have a whole lot of say in. They have appointed a a committee uh, to review this. That committee has uh, already met and has already unanimously voted to change the uh, state seal and it's uh, then the legislature, uh, there was, there's a resolution that uh, to then fund a, uh, the design part of it, where they'll figure out what to change it to. Uh, as I said, they have already voted unanimously in committee to uh, change it. It's 
now a question of what do they change it to? Hmm. And uh, the funding for that is currently uh, held up in an economic uh, economic development subcommittee. Uh, but they're hopeful that between now and the end of the year or the beginning of uh, next year, that it will come come out of uh, committee and then be voted and start the uh, process of coming up with a design of a new seal. Uh, so uh, we talked about it. One of the things that, uh, you know, the conclusion was that I was going to get a consensus from the uh, council, which I will do as to whether it's something that we want to uh, uh, put on as a resolution and support. So uh, uh -huh. more to come. And there are more to come in there. Obviously, a differing opinions as to, you know, there are some people that feel that nothing should be changed. It's part of history, uh, and history is history. But uh, so there are, there are many different sides to this. Ultimately, it will not be the town council and Franklin's decision. <laughs> it, it will be a decision made by uh, the state, our state legislators. Yep. So moving along to the legislation for action, the first up, continuing kind of the water theme, uh, there was a resident that had a particular situation. So you did approve an amendment to the water system map so that they can tie into uh, the water supply. Yeah, uh, and he was probably the happiest individual in council chambers last night mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, when that finally, because there's a long process uh that he's had to go through uh in order to get this accomplished not the least of which was you know coming through uh and the council actually voting a resolution to allow this uh this homeowner to tie in so uh he was a very happy man in the back of the room when we voted i saw his hands go up mm -hmm. it was yes, yes. so uh uh, again, that's one of the good things that we get to do every now and then. Right. And the second resolution is one of a recurring, I think, sometimes every other month, certainly on a quarterly basis or so, uh, the cable funds that the town gets, uh, they then forward to Franklin Cable uh, to continue to fund our operations. And uh, mm -hmm. that was another uh, yeah, that, opportunity last night. <laughs> exactly. The peg access money, uh, which, uh, for whatever the reason, the legislature kind of changed how we have to do this. So it now is something that comes before the council uh, in a resolution uh, uh, multiple times a year uh, where we take the peg access money and then transfer it to the cable access uh, committee uh, to do with as they see fit. So, indeed. And then the final resolution was one of those happy ones with a gift acceptance. And Shannon Nesbitt uh, certainly thanked the Elks for their work on the uh, Veterans Memorial Project and some fundraising there. But then uh, Franklin Historic Museum and Senior Center also got some money from uh, donations as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I can't say enough about our community and their giving uh, of their some of their resources and in some cases uh, 
these uh, funding opportunities that uh, the Elks have done a tremendous job with veterans of, you know, and obviously that's one of their charges as an Elk. Uh, and, but they do great things. And uh, uh, I appreciate the fact that Shannon, our uh, uh, veterans agent does come forward to our council meetings when, uh, when these things do come up and, uh, we get the opportunity to say thank you to all of the Elks for the thoughtful and giving, uh, continuous giving and funding a lot of our projects. Uh, and again, uh, our community is great. The, the support uh, to our senior center, to our historical museum, uh, to our veterans, uh, the, just the ongoing support from our residents and businesses uh, in the community. Uh, we can't thank them enough. Indeed. And it seems like given the support and the community's goodness and uh, sharing capability and coming to the table when required, you seem to have an opportunity to do that almost every meeting, which is fine because that, that recognition needs to be done publicly too. So yes, absolutely. And you will never hear me complain. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, I think that kind of recaps. Uh, it was a fairly short meeting uh, to that, uh, but imp informative in covering multitude of topics as we've just covered in the short bit that we've recapped for the voters and listeners. So I thank you for your time today. Thank you, Steve, as always. Uh, thank you for your time and your giving uh, and all of the things you do to get the word out to our community. Indeed. And we'll be back again. I think the 21st is your next schedule. So uh, actually, I think we're, I think that's going to be adjusted till the 28th. Ah, okay. Uh, there's, uh, uh, we've come up with a little conflict. So I think we're going to postpone or move that meeting from the 21st to the 28th. Okay. Just so, an FYI. Yep. No, that's fine. So stay tuned, folks. Uh, both the town will have the update on their calendar and we'll certainly share it out here. In the meantime, you've got this as the short story for uh, our quarterbacking session of what was last night. And as a reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008 and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.